0: we literally have our entire lives ahead of us everything's possible right so that's the beauty behind being a young artist and capitalize on it while you're young and that was the realization that i took where i was like yo while you're young you better flex that fucking muscle that's inside of you right
1: now what's up everybody my name is brazil and welcome to my podcast this one was more for me than it is for you, but I hope you get something out of it because I interviewed my buddy who's a movie director. His name is Josh Weber. And I originally just wanted to talk to him about his life and what the process is of becoming a narrative feature film director, which is something that I want to do eventually. But honestly, by the end of the conversation it ended up becoming a pep talk from him to me, Inspiring me to make my first movie eventually and I was just so fucking energized by this conversation And I hope that you are too. I mean if if you want to you know create and you have big goals big aspirations and maybe you're intimidated by them Maybe um, you know, it's scary to say that you want to do something that grand This conversation might be the one that that pushes you over the edge So if you want to get inspired check out this conversation with Josh Weber
0: When I first moved here, I moved from New York, and I was um, fresh out of film school, but I knew I wanted to make a movie. Right. And um, a friend of mine that I had met here had a script, and I was like, well, we should try and find a way to make this movie together. But sure enough, we don't have any money. We, you know, we don't really right. know how to go about it. And uh, we decided to kind of go the traditional route of like, which was very naive as a young 22 year old kid. Right. Um, But we decided to go the traditional route of like trying to call movie stars agents and trying to call the front desk of movie studios and say, we got
1: right to the front door. Yeah. yeah, We want to make
0: a film. Totally, totally naive. Uh, But one of the fun stories behind that was we got uh, Joe Pesci's managers info, this old lady, I forget her name, Shelly or something like that. And uh, we get on a call and she was like, she's like, yeah, can I help you? And I was like, yeah, uh, you know, we're doing this independent feature with no money, right? We yeah. didn't have any money or anything. We're doing this independent feature film. we were considering Joe to play, uh, you know, our grand, the, the grandfather character in the movie. And, uh, and she's like, okay, well, let me explain to you how this works. You put $3 million into an escrow account and Joe will read the script. And I was like, okay, geez, this is, this is not really working out so well. Um, and then meanwhile, in the process, I got into a car accident on the 101 here. Somebody uh, T-boned somebody, I slammed brakes, somebody hit me from behind at like 70 miles an hour. And I was laid up in a hospital bed for about a day, and I, I spent about, I saw like three months recovering. Uh, I got a little tiny check from it, but what I got was a realization that um, you know tomorrow is promised to no one, and if mm. you want to do something, you should do it now. Yeah, And I realized, you know, who knows how much time I have. and if if I want to be a filmmaker and I want to make a movie, then let's make a movie now. And I took the little check that I had from the car accident and I combined it with my buddy, who had a little check from like a modeling gig he did. And we just went on this adventure to create this, our first feature film together. That's amazing. Yeah. Sometimes it takes life waking us
1: up to, to realize that like, no, the time is now. Exactly. You, like you think, oh yeah, maybe when I'm in my 40s or 50s, I'll yeah. make a movie. It's like, dude, that's assuming you live that long. Like how about do it now? Absolutely. And how did you even know how to budget it properly? Because you said you left film school. So so you had technical training, but had you made any were you doing music I, videos? No, no, yet? no, no, no. So, that?
0: so I uh, I did a few short films in in uh, film school. Okay. Very limited, right? Where'd you go to school? I went to New York Film Academy in New York. Okay. And um and then I was doing like uh, low budget promo videos, promo spots. I think i was doing this video for this guy at the time in santa monica uh it was like it was called like dance diva or something like that It was like, okay. it was just like a box set of uh of dance videos <laughs> and i remember thinking geez i oh at the time i uh i was trying to get my my visa sorted because i'm canadian oh i didn't know that yeah yeah i'm canadian and i was on when i first moved here i had six months to get my visa paperwork sorted, and unfortunately, within within that time, I ended up, you know, lapsing, and I wasn't allowed to leave the country, and I was like kind of like a rogue alien here, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so, I I figured if I can't do anything for a couple months, I might as well try and do this movie. That was part of my intent. It was all after the accident. <clears throat> uh, this was uh this was hmm because hmm this was yes all after the accident because okay. at first you you know from a I i guess you asked like budgetarily right how, how to yeah how to, how'd you
1: even know how to do it like what were you doing work-wise because because uh, I, I like to, to map out like your journey so you leave film school you're yep. doing some low budget promo stuff yep and you're a you know an immigrant yep and you're not a permanent resident yet. Exactly. And you don't have a work visa. Yep. And you have a check from the accident. You have a buddy's uh, Yeah, minor check from minor the accident. Ha- it was yeah. like
0: I think it was like 9 grand or something like that. Right. Um and I had like a pretty sweet living situation at the time. I was living with my girlfriend, so I didn't really have much overhead. Mm. Um and I had a car um and from like a from like a monetary standpoint that early on, I think I was doing like like grinder work like a hundred dollars here fucking fifty dollars there try and get some background work here background work there but when i uh when my visa lapsed i couldn't even do anything um that was official it had to be all under the table completely under the table yeah Uh, so that's kind of why i said all right well let me take these five months or so you know i think it was over a five month period that we made the movie because we didn't really, we didn't go about it in a traditional way. It wasn't a
1: consecutive shoot?
0: No. So what we did was, it's very unorthodox. We took a big, giant Bristol board. And and I forget how we came up with this method. But it was just, it just worked for us conventionally. What's a Bristol board? Like a, like a, a big piece of cardboard. Okay. Right? And we made a calendar of the different months, right? And we said, all right, well... Oh, because my buddy was working background work and I was like squeezing in a little work here and there. And we would like X off certain days that we would say, all right, this would be a filming day. And we went through the script and decided, all right, well, we'll try and shoot this scene on that day. And just just piece wow. by piece by piece. And, uh, and that's what we did. And, and I, and I want to say... It took place in three different cities. Um, and it was quite, you know, substantial production for, for what it was. I think we spent a total of like thirteen thousand dollars on it. But um, It was like
1: a full full length.
0: Oh, it was a full length feature film. Yeah, and we had like two thousand people in it. We had fucking seventy some odd different locations. Like wow. Yeah, what did you
1: guys it, film it on?
0: a seven D when it first <clears throat> came out. Wow. Yeah, and we didn't own anything. I would just I would just go on Craigslist and borrow somebody's camera and Get somebody to shoot here and somebody to help there. It was just, I like. You were just committed to making it happen. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was, we, we, uh, together, we were on a a mission to just create this movie. You know, we, we had full belief and passion. And yeah, in, in the process, we, we also almost died, which was quite, uh, insane to live through. Um, meaning the car accident or something no 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 so we uh towards the end of the process of making the movie we um we were in new york getting like exterior shots and such because the the film took place in los angeles new york and la uh los angeles new york and chicago okay and uh while we were in new york a buddy of mine (coughs) was uh was like showing me photos. I guess his his father just purchased this really like fancy, like epic speedboat, like a 44 foot double engine yeah, speedboat, yeah. like Miami Vice style. And I, my mind was wrapped around the idea of production value at that point. To be honest, like it, uh, it was even away from the idea of like stylistic filmmaking and more so like, OK, how much value can I pack into this frame, right. into this movie, into these scenes? You know, that's really was my mind. And what w- was at at that point in time? And uh and I just convinced him to let us use the um the boat for some scenes uh, for a scene and in the process we flipped the boat going like 90 miles an oh hour
1: shit. did you hit like a sand dune or something um, or just
0: something got caught wild. up in the motor yeah and uh we were ejected my my buddy i was making the movie with punctured lung broken ribs um we really should have died to be honest um but we survived and in the process, I learned a very valuable lesson. Uh, make sure you get production insurance uh, hmm. because we were just traveling with all oh, of our shit. random equipment that was borrowed by people and hard drives and everything, and nothing was backed up. All of it was on the boat? All of it was on the boat. And, uh, and um, we, yeah, we, we lost it all that day. And then... I you know I didn't I didn't know this uh, the day it happened I didn't know it I figured water is water and like the shit can be repaired and like we'll get the footage back and I was just happy to be alive like I remember I right. spent I spent about a week in New Jersey just uh, relaxing and and kind of just just having some heart to hearts with God like trying to understand what the path was and and because we had completed like ninety percent of the movie at that point and to be. You know, stuck in New Jersey in my friend's basement, sleeping on the couch with fucking ten dollars in my because we were at the end end of our journey of sorts, and uh, and then I got a call when I when I ended up back in L.A. I got a call from a friend of mine. We had we had dropped it off at a place called TechServe in, in New York City to uh, to try and like get all the files from the hard drive. And uh, my friend called me and I'll never forget. He called me. He said, he said, are you, are you sitting down? And I was like, why, why would, why would I need to sit down? He's like, well, you should sit down. And, uh, and I said, okay, well, I'm sitting down. And he said, uh, he said, all right, well, I don't know how to tell you this. So I'm just going to tell you. And I said, okay, so tell me. And he's like, well, I really just don't know. And I said, bro, I said, spit it out. What the fuck are you talking about? You know, like I, like he sounded like he was calling me about somebody died or something. And he said, well, I I just got news from TechServe and they were unable to um, recover anything from the drive except for like 2%, which they believe is like iTunes files or something like that. And it, it felt like somebody had gutted me at that point because I figured our movie is pretty much done. We survived the inevitable... And, uh, and I remember I was like, I could barely speak and I dropped the phone and, um, and then at the time, uh, my girlfriend came in the room and she was like, what's, what's wrong with you? Cause she could tell that I wasn't, mm-hmm. you know, happy or anything and I couldn't speak. I was just like, I, I just need some, some time, some myself, you know? And she was like, oh, okay. See you later. And she left the room and I bawled like a little boy for like an hour, like just, tears down my face because we had, you know, we had gone through so much uh, adversity to create that movie, right? And it was, it was like maybe 50 days of production, truly. Because it was like... Grinding. Grinding. Sacrifice. Like, like, like uh, uh, a, you know, a $14 um, vegetable plate was our cost for the day and like convincing and this and just like, just, just total uh total grind to create the movie and then i got up and just thought all right well either you can sob and you can be like woe is me i just lost your entire first feature (laughs) film that you spent all this time on or you can try and find a way to get proactive and uh fix the situation and then i realized again the way we did it creatively or, or um The the way we went Mm. about creating the movie was we were leaning on all of these random people on Craigslist to borrow their camera or have them come out and shoot a scene, and it was all in relation to like here build a reel here build like everyone was working for a purpose right right so I figured you know I could start calling people and say hey do you have that footage and more than likely they would and and that's exactly what i did oh it was wild um and within 48 hours i had like 65 percent of the movie back from all the different wow. people yeah it was crazy wild wild circumstance but there were certain uh major scenes that we lost entirely sure. and, and we just took the stance that um we were gonna find the money to reshoot those scenes and finish out the movie And at the time, it was like, I think this was 2010, um, and Kickstarter had just started. You know, it wasn't even a thing yet, and a buddy of mine from UK sent me a link or something like that, and I figured, okay, cool, Uh, we're going to run a Kickstarter. And we just chopped together a little sizzle of the footage that we did have, and we ran a uh, successful Kickstarter campaign, then we finished out the movie. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing, man. Yeah,
1: yeah. I can pull so much from that. Like, it's, it's, it shows perseverance. No, it shows the fact that you made it happen no matter what. Some people would say, No, we need a million dollars to do a movie. We need this. I mean, like, yeah, well, no. Are you more committed to getting that or to making the movie? How important is it to actually make it happen? Mm-hmm. You know, and then what you learned through that. I can only imagine the, the blood, sweat, and tears literal blood, sweat, and tears in this process shaped you up to be able to handle the projects you're doing today.
0: Oh, like absolutely. I had to go down that way. Absolutely. I mean, uh when I was when we were making that movie, it was cuz I was also starring in the movie as well with my buddy and mm. and that was more out of circumstance than anything because we realized well we don't have enough to like fly us and actors around, so we're going to be this the brothers <laughs> in the movie. Uh and it just yeah, I mean it just gave me a, a full rounded understanding of production from every standpoint you know when you're making a movie like that you're you're every single position at every point in time and and you have to be extremely diplomatic and it it shapes you in regards to just like how you think about approaching situations right you you really you lower your ego to the lowest form to find a way to solve whatever obstacle there is in front of you so that you can um, get what you need. So there, were, there were many points in time. You know, I can't remember specific things, but I just remember. You know, especially when you're making a movie of that level. You know, people are are completely dismissive right. and like it, it. Like you know, you're still pursuing something. So it just it, it yeah. It made me uh, entirely versatile um, and super cost effective because you know, mm. obviously when you do a movie. For thirteen thousand dollars, with two thousand plus actors in it, and you know, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah.
1: And learning to be resourceful, yes. Too, because I think a lot of times we complain about our lack of resources. I don't have the right this. I don't have the right that. And although it may be accurate, it's not the defining factor. Because you had almost no resources, but you were resourceful. You found resources. You said, "Well, you know what." It'll go on your reel or whatever let's borrow the buddy's boat like you may you found the value in just what you had absolutely yeah
0: yeah absolutely
1: I think that's the vital skill for life in general to be resourceful
0: entirely yeah you need to uh, you know I, I I've you know I come from a, a school of thought that if you're in pursuit of something in pursuit of anything in life that um, you know just never Never, never look at the negative, just look at the positive, and there is ultimately a route to get to where you want to go.
1: Yeah. I remember there was a quote I, I read once that said, um, when we say we have a problem, what it really means is we have a question, and questions have answers.
0: Interesting. That's an interesting quote. A lot of truth in that. Yeah. Like,
1: because when you're making a movie, so much of what you're doing is about other people right it's, it's, it's near damn near impossible to make a full movie by yourself in a room bo burnham did it on his netflix special but that was just like a performance piece in a bedroom you, you need other people for mm-hmm. a you gotta tell a story you have to be in physical places i think the act of trying to make a movie is just a great act of exercising your mind and your resources and your connection and it's just like a problem-solving creative expedition I, it's, it's almost like the same way i feel about the skate culture because i grew up in skate parks right sure i remember and, and and in that world it's also about solving problems in that there are, there there are skate parks but you really go street, street skating and when you go street skating you look for opportunities oh there's that rail there's that ledge there's that roof you look for gold in, in an alleyway you're like hmm there might be something here oh let me do something to it let me film it let me send it to my friends let me make a t-shirt company Send a video a sponsor me video right like the whole act of that culture teaches a lot about life i think is what i'm getting at and i mm-hmm. think that's why i feel energized by your story just yeah. even that part of it right is that like yes in film school you can learn the technical aspects of it
0: but that experience
1: oh yeah you yes. you you're,
0: you're not learning it any other way than when life hits you in the face cuz it's
1: real consequences
0: it's real yeah. favors it's real people looking you in the eye
1: saying yes you can use my camera and then you're like oh fuck i broke your camera my bad you know what i mean or it's like just dealing with that shit it's yeah it's consequences
0: yeah it's severe consequences absolutely
1: so then how did you parlay that into doing movie number 2 and stuff? Uh,
0: so um, so it took it took about th- 3 it was like a 3 year process to complete that film and ultimately release it, but in in the uh, process of making it, I had some trailers and stuff, and I would try and shop it to people, send it to producers and things. And there was a uh, there was a, what I would say like a commercial reality producer um, who saw it, and uh, he you know he offered me a job to shoot some commercial stuff with him, and um, and I learned my way. Around a camera in the process of making movie, and I started picking up camera gigs and just shooting things for people. Um, and then I started doing um, commercials on my own, and you know, I did a slew of of like uh, you know big commercials and stuff for uh, McDonald's and uh, Ford and Mini Cooper and certain things like that. But I realized in that process that. I started to hate set, like I was not excited mm. to be going to set to create, and you know, even when I was making my my little thirteen thousand dollar movie, I was ecstatic. I was happy every day, yeah. And doing this commercial stuff, I was just like, "Fuck, do I really have to go?" Like, because it, it, it's a different process, as you know. Like, there's mm-hmm. agencies involved. There's there's a lot of different voices, you know. They notes re- from everybody. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. Res- in a lot of ways, they don't really respect the creative. You're just a hired gun in some situations. Right. And I just, uh, I had a I had a terrible experience in uh, in Puerto Rico while doing that Mini Cooper campaign, and it just taught me like this ain't your future, you know. Like this is gonna push you away from film entirely. It's gonna make you hate it. It's gonna make yeah, it it got to a point where I was like, yo, I don't even want to be around cameras, you know? And um and then I took a hard uh, look on life. You know, I took a pause for a moment and I said, Well, oh and, and I'm I'm a guy who tries to let the universe of his life guide him to his decisions uh as much as possible, right? and i got a phone call from my grandfather i hadn't spoken to him in like three years at that point and this is the guy who raised me right um and he you know he's an old polish guy and he was like he's like what are you doing what's going on and i wanted to tell him how terrible this experience in puerto rico was right and how 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 you know the conditions were bad and all this stuff but this is a guy who survived the holocaust this is a guy whose right. family was murdered Who's like yo it's like you i'm it just put it in perspective while i was talking to him where i was like i can't complain to this guy right this guy lived through the worst situation in life and then he said well what are you doing when you come see me blah. blah. and i thought i got this camera gear still because it was rented I said, I'm gonna blow over to Miami and do a little interview with him because he I knew he had this incredible uh true life escape story from uh Nazi concentration camp. Wow. Yeah, and I f and I I knew that because I was always his grandson and he would come talk at places, but I didn't really know the true story, if that the makes extent sense. Of the, I didn't of the I, whole I yeah, yeah. I, I knew he was a Holocaust survivor, I knew he was like some type of hero, or whatever, but you know, I figured fuck it, let me go sit and, and at least get him on camera so that at a later point I can make it into a narrative movie. And it was in the process of doing like a preliminary interview with him in the kitchen table. And, you know, I asked him this, that, and the third, and he said something, something. When the war ended in 1944 or some shit, um, he said, you know, then I went to back to Warsaw. And my my grandmother, who's not my blood grandmother, but she was always around as my grandmother as a child, okay. who I had assumed they met in Toronto in the '80s, said, and and you know she was starting to lose her mind a little bit at that point, uh, dementia, and she said something from the like she hollered from the kitchen, she's like, "Yeah, that's when I met Max," and I thought, "What is this?" What is she talking about when she met Max? You know, We're talking 1944. And I said, no, no, you know, uh, Grandma, we're talking 1944. And she said, when do you think I met him? And I said, in the 1980s? She said, no, I met him in the concentration camp. And that's Whoa. when I realized, wait a second. You guys met in a concentration camp? And then you dug a secret underground tunnel to escape out of the concentration camp? And then you guys were separated for 30 years, and then you found each other again, and now you're married. It's like like what? the most amazing love story that I had ever heard. And that's when I realized, oh shit, I got to do a documentary, which I'd never done a documentary before, uh, but I just realized nobody's going to believe this story yeah. um, unless I seek this out. Right. Um, so that's when I went on this like three-year or not three-year like two-year process of doing a documentary um on this story which uh led me down a road of uh discovery and you know and and it was still like a a grinder life if that makes sense Mm -hmm. um and then i i finished uh the doc we we found distribution for the first movie didn't really make any money we made our money back which was cool right right? but like we it it didn't and it was on all the platforms it went into blockbuster and shit we didn't make any any money you know it was like at one point we thought it was going to be whatever it was going to be and it turned out like most movies do and uh and i realized the doc was probably going to do probably less than that because it's a doc and it was really like a passion piece for me and in the process um have to be careful how i phrase this right um in the process a buddy of mine hit me i used to live in new york uh when i when i went to film school and he hit me and he was like oh can you uh can you get this product um because i i could sell it here for for uh for a profit and i was like okay cool let me try and see if I could source it. And I went to the main distributor of the product and cut a deal with them became like their sub distributor of the product. And I found this weird loophole business where I simply would take the supply from the, uh, from the, um, the company and I would just mail it to my buddy and I would, a markup on it and his business started to ramp up and it went from like 300 400 to three four thousand yeah. dollars and before you know it i had this weird little money train that was like um is that is that
1: my ipad how is that still on okay sorry
0: about that yeah no fine um yeah and i had this weird little like side business money train that was feeding me like five six grand a month for very little work like maybe right four or five hours of work um a month or something like that and it allowed me to think clear for a moment now that's not a lot of money right but it's enough to be like hey i'm not super tripping about rent right now it's enough to to not do commercial (laughs) stuff right Mm -hmm. and not do jobs that you don't want to do right and it's enough for you to say all right well you do love making movies like i always had a passion for making movies and it allowed me to just say okay cool well well, what do i want to do next now i don't have money to make movies but i have money to like try and find a way to make a movie And in the to breathe, to breathe, just to just just to breathe, and like I don't have to I don't have to you know to grind and like weather down my creative inspiration, and um, and then I got a message on Facebook from this guy who was like, we have a lot of mutual friends, and we should do a project together. I'm a producer, Um, and he said, uh, oh no, no 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 no, so so prior to that. A friend of mine who was an actor in the first film that I did um, wanted to make a film and he had some money, right? And he said it was like, I need a director. Do you want to can I hire you? And I was like, Absolutely. Because at that point I was like, I'd never been hired to make a movie before. Right. So yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. And and it wasn't a crazy amount of money. I think it was like 10 grand or something like that. But yeah. it was still like, yo, I'll do this for free. You know, like this is not this is not. This is what I'm looking to do, right? Yeah. And it was in that process that I realized uh, how important uh, creative control can be as a director, um, or at least to me, right? Like, so I'm I'm I wasn't looking for uh, an opportunity to be put into like a box from a visionary standpoint. And make a movie how somebody else wanted me to make a movie, especially a movie like that. It was still very low, extremely low budget movie. Yeah. So I'm basically doing it for free. You know, I'm right. grinding through. It's essentially free. Yeah. yeah. So so I'm like, and, and it was over a long period of time. And I just I just remember realizing and even when we got into the edit, like, I just couldn't shape the movie and the story the way that I knew would be best. And, you know, as a young artist and as a young filmmaker, I used to question my instincts, right? And I used to question, well, what do I know? Maybe, maybe he knows better than me. And oh, oh, okay, like anyone, it could be, you know, right. John that works at the grocery store, you know, yeah. because who who would know better? I, I wouldn't know better, right? But I realized that over time that I need to listen to that voice inside of me that I do know, like I do know better, at least for my own personal instincts and my own personal thoughts. You and have your own taste. And my and own that's what taste. makes you an artist. Exactly, and that's what makes you a unique artist. And uh, and it was through that process that I realized I was like, all right, well, don't now. I would you you can put yourself in that situation for a whole bunch of money or in, and a real opportunity, but don't. That's not what you want either. Like you don't want to be this guy who's just like a director for hire, you know? Right. for... And um. And then I got hit up by, and that movie didn't really do anything. It was just kind of, you know, still trying to figure out a lane for movies because it's very hard, very, very challenging. And then this guy hit me on Facebook, and he was like, uh, he was like, "Yeah, we know a lot of mutual people, and I got some friends, and we should, uh, we should do a movie together, you know." And I was like, "Oh, and my friend, who I did the first movie with." Got the exact same copy and paste message, right? And he was like, he's like, bro, don't even, don't even answer that guy, you know. But I'm, I'm a guy who is very curious about everything, opportunity wise, yeah. right? So like, um, so I hit him back, and I was like, what's up, you know? And he was like a street dude from Texas or he from Chicago, and and you know, listen, we live different lives, you know, we develop and grow, but but a core of who i am is is very much from that world right mm-hmm. so like i can relate with street people all day right? right and so he wanted to do this movie or he wanted to do a movie but he wanted to do it like in a street structure he was like you know you take 50% i'll take 50% i'll bring the actors you know how to do it and blah 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 and i was like let's rock you know yeah. like what movie Fuck you it. want yeah what movie you want to do i mean and, life is presenting you yeah
1: Exactly. Here's the universe bringing something to you. Yeah. And he's like, well.
0: Exactly. And and he was, you know, he, he said, he was like, oh, I got this deal with Lionsgate and blah, 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 and this, that, and the third, and and he had all these, like, actors. He's like, you know this dude and that dude and blah, 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 and. Um, Did he have a script? No. So he just
1: had the material. He was like, I got the money. The, I got some connections. He had the
0: actors. He said he had half the money, and he had distribution, right? For me I realized another aspect because I'm constantly looking I'm, I, at that point in time I was and, and even through life I'm constantly trying to figure out what is inspiring me and what is like taking away my inspiration and so if if I notice things that are taking away my inspiration I try and like weed those out and if if I find something to inspire me I'm trying to feed it more mm. and um, and so I realized that, the actors, the names that he was saying was inspiring me to get excited about this movie that we didn't even have a script for, right? <laughs> but one of the parameters was I needed to raise $15,000, which, again, I had a little money coming in, but it wasn't something where I could put money aside. I still had obligations, and I had like basic lifestyle of certain things. Yeah. and uh, uh, But I I did know a buddy of mine had just inherited some money, and I figured you know what? Listen, we got a distribution plan for it. I kind of know what I'm doing when it comes to making movies. I think it'll be successful because of this Lionsgate opportunity. So I went to him and I, I, you know, I just opened Played book yeah. and I said, yo, here, this is what I'm trying to do. I'll give you X percent of it um, and I'll personally guarantee it. So like if something goes wrong, I'll pay back, you know? And he was like, cool, done, you know? And he gave me the money. So I had half the money. We decided we were going to do like 15 grand each, right, to yeah. to make the movie. And another parameter was these, these actors were only available between hmm. the 1st of January and the 10th of January, right? And this was already, I think we were like December 1st, right? Shit. No script. No script. No script. And um, there was a script that... I wanted to do that a friend of mine had wrote but and and in retrospect i look back and i think i think he made the right choice and and uh um you know at first he told me yeah you can you can make it right but when he found out what we were going to make it for he was like i don't want i don't want you to make it right you know and and i can
1: i can respect that he wanted to hold the script for a larger budget
0: yeah absolutely which which i can understand and i don't think we would have done that script justice Um, but at the time it put me in a weird bind because, you know, again, something early on as a filmmaker, I didn't understand agreements. I didn't understand. I was just like handshake guy, number one, you know? And so when my buddy told me I could make his script, I was like, Hey guy, we're going to make this script. And, and we had passed it to the actors and they were all ready. And like, you know, all of a sudden on December 7th, my friend's like, yo, I really don't want you to make that movie right now. You know, like I want you to make it, but not on this budget, not right now. And I was like, fuck, man. Like now I'm in a bad way. But again, I'm a versatile guy. I'm a guy who's like, this is the goal. I'm going to get to it. And so I thought, well, fuck it. I'll just find another script that speaks to me. Right. Which is quite hard to do because I, I, hmm. I was always trying, you know, I've, I, I'm always trying to do the impossible in a way right but i was never trying to do something where i couldn't find the passion in it so i was still looking for something that spoke to me That gave you that spark yeah it gave me a spark how hard it was yeah it has to have a spark it's got to have some form of integrity at that point in time Yeah, and I, i put out like some submissions for things and asked people for stuff and took like uh Took like five days for me to realize reading scripts and stuff that I wasn't gonna find, and, and also had to find something that fit for these actors, right? So, like, you're, you're and
1: that the person would want you to shoot,
0: yeah, and that the actors would also be inspired for. And like, there was just so many different factors. And then I thought, man, fuck it, I could just write a script, right? And I'd never written a script before, right? Um, I had, I had, uh adapted screenplays prior like on the first one my buddy wrote the script and i adapted it you know so like yes i'm a co-writer but that was like through the process right i'd never just sat down at a table and been like gonna write a script and page one yeah and write a script in like 15 days right so like how do you how do you do that but i think it was the drive within me of like well i'm not going to miss out on this opportunity because i saw it as a really big opportunity point in my life because the actors that were involved and that I had already raised the money right. right so I was like everything's here I just need a script and I'm a storyteller a teller, naturally and there was a, a some type of like crime show on TV talking about some guy who who, who hired some hitmen to kill his wife mm. the wife was younger than him he was worried about taking their, uh, her taking his money you know i thought well that's a cool premise I'll fucking write something like that you know yeah. and i sat there on my bed <laughs> with my iPhone in the notes section and I wrote a script in 15 days. Wow. Called Secrets of Deception. Not properly formatted but the story structure was there. It was completely flushed out. And I hit my buddy that I made my first movie with because he was, you know, a traditional writer. I would say, sure. And he reformat. I, I sent him the notes file. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, can you make this a real script so people can read it? So
1: it looks with the proper spacing. And yeah, because you and all can't all that, send yeah.
0: somebody fucking iPhone notes like, yo, we're gonna make this movie, you <laughs> right, know? right. And uh, and I I I so like a couple days later, I got the actual script and I sent my buddy who was making the movie for, it, which I told him, bro, don't worry, I'm gonna make a script, you know. And because because he was a guy like he was just going with the flow too. He was like, "All right, cool, bro." You know, like he right. was just he was just doing what it, what he was doing. Like he wasn't not there was no that's why we had a lot of good synergy him and I, right? We would push each He's other. He was one to improvise. Willing, he was he was a guy who a very talented producer, I believe, uh who just understands that with production you just flow. You know, you can't be you can't be hard strong or headstrong on certain things. And yeah. I also believe a great um quality that somebody could have as a great independent producer is you know you set a date you get people orientated towards that start date and you make that date if you if you start to vary that date or push it back you know people it's a there's a momentum thing that takes place and people they drive towards momentum and when you when you shift uh people will fall and and things. it'll affect their emotions yeah their life
1: plans are like oh i have a vacation to go to exactly and like, and yeah.
0: people start to believe that you're not serious so both him and i were very set on like okay on the 4th of january we're gonna start you know yeah and uh and this you know the script wasn't uh wasn't bad but it wasn't good mm. if that makes sense um and it was just like a very cut and dry story, but I knew that going into it, and I thought, well, I'll make it spicy and it'd be exciting, and there's some good dialogue here, and we'll find a way to like. I, I was I was used to the idea of adapting a screenplay as I went because that's kind of what we did with the first one, right? Right. Just using my own instincts. And, uh, and by
1: that, you mean like when you're filming, maybe changing the lines a bit. As long as you know oh, the, yeah. the starting and end point, you kind of... Exactly. Yeah, yeah
0: you could find... And, and then I was like, well, fuck, how are we going to produce this thing for $30,000? Because yeah, I had done it before, but I did it in a totally different format. It, right. was, it was like three hours here, Craigslist guy there. You can't do that with actual like movie stars, right? right, right. And I had no experience working with movie stars, right? So I, uh, I went on the internet and i found a guy who had just got out of film school and he owned like a two hundred and fifty thousand dollars like red camera yeah like and I was, og yeah, yeah 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 like but like really expensive and it was like yeah. official And i'm like all right you're gonna be my dp right <laughs> and then he was like oh well what are you gonna do for your location i'm like i don't know we're gonna find something he's like well i got a friend if you throw him in the movie you know as like a role yeah you can use his house right and we went and we saw his house and it was like this epic property in Westlake. Like really, really top line production value out to Wazoo, right? Right. So we gave him a role in the movie and we orientated the majority of the script so that it took place either within the house or outside Mm. of the house, right? And it was like this whole cat and mouse thing of situations that take place within the house and out of the house and on side roads and and ultimately the murder takes place in the house. You know, and um, but it's like a murder gone wrong type thing. So there's a lot of different angles to play with. And uh, and and in the process, you know, I don't there there are certain things that I think are to be left behind closed doors. Right. So like uh, there was a lot of things that took place during that production, which taught me a lot of valuable lessons. But ultimately, you know, I came with. $15,000 $15,000 and the guy came with $3,000 wow. and we were like $12,000 short on a $30,000 budget, you know, went which was really tight to begin with. Yes. Right. And there was a I'm lot. i amazed you made it for that much. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I could amaze you endlessly <laughs> with my <laughs> stories of filmmaking. Absolutely. Uh, because even looking back, you know, I don't even know how I've, how I did certain things, you know? Um, like for instance, we shot that entire movie in six days. Um, with you guys are doing pages a day, huh? Oh yeah, I mean I've done I've done I've done twenty two pages in a day before. You know, like I've. I'm, well, I, it
1: helps when you have a consistent location. Yeah, right? when ab- you have absolutely, that,
0: absolutely. Yeah. But but I I just I I again I got into a rhythm of just like flow, and at one point, I felt like the uh, the guy who owned the camera he. I could I could understand what his intention was right his intention was like the perfect shot the the perfect way you know but I was like bro I gotta make a movie you know yeah and, and he was younger and 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 you know he he didn't he didn't have the same understanding of like this is our goal and and I want you to get that one shot but I also want us to finish this movie because these guys are gonna be done in another you know right. 36 hours you know and so at one point I just grab the camera cuz i had years of of knowledge. i didn't know how to operate his camera but i could hold it and point it and shoot it and yeah, everything yeah. and uh so i just i just bowled through it at one point i was just like here cuz he said said something about like well you can't you can't do that or you can't shoot that way or something like that i was like give me the camera bro you know and uh and and i just jammed through it and we completed the movie uh, even through those obstacles and many more that like I won't even go into. And that's an important battle to talk about,
1: right? The battle of time versus creativity, right? Because for sure, like I think sometimes we do rush through things and better quality does take time. But what's the point of quality if a project doesn't get completed?
0: Exactly. You have to weigh the two evils, right? Or not the two evils, but you have to weigh the two options where, you know, either, either you're going to complete something or or not you know and whatever and and also like i had just a greater understanding of filmmaking obviously right so like i understood that certain things were not important and a lot of things were going to end up on the editing floor and like i don't need that and i just need three seconds here and two seconds there thinking of the edit already i was i was shooting the shit as i was cut like i was cutting it as i was shooting it i knew i knew i was very well versed at that point in time of exactly what I needed in exactly the way that I needed it and yeah. to tell the story and to keep it moving and and what scenes were important uh, important from like a creative lighting standpoint and other scenes that were minuscule like if you're you know you're you're not going to spend five hours getting an insert shot of a cup you know what I mean? like right just you, trying to light the cup yeah, yeah you know like so and, and there's and and you want to you know you you want to like. You know, I'm I'm definitely no tyrant in any which way when it comes to f- filmmaker, right? Um and, and you want to respect people I, I like to respect people ultimately all the time, right? In in every which way, at every single level of filmmaking. So I I wanted to empower this guy to like do what he felt was right so that he can develop his skills, but I also kept conscious of like, yo, you can't you can't let this continue or else you're just going to fall behind. You're going to burn your buddy's money. And when I had realized that like our money was the only real money going into this thing and that I was facing all of these other like smoke and mirror challenges, I was like, you, I had already spent like half of his money at that point when I realized that there wasn't any, cause the other th- half wasn't going to be there. Yeah, yeah. I only knew that, you know, in the process of making the movie. Shit, so When you
1: started, you thought you were going to
0: have the 30 oh, yeah. together. Yeah, and you have nothing. You're just like, oh my God. But again, I put myself in the chopping block. My buddy believed in me. So again, I just instilled this strength of we're going to complete and we're going to find a way to do this and that's that. And, um, and then sure enough, I uh, finished the film in six days. I went home. I chopped it in 30 days and I started watching it back. And it was just bland. It was, um, I, you know, I'm a big proponent of like testing your work, right? And like putting it in front of people and mm-hmm. getting people to tear it up and, and and tell you their real thoughts. And what I got from testing it was everyone knew what was gonna happen. It was like, oh, the guy's gonna go into the house, go upstairs and murderers you know like you could tell you know and 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 in a movie you want to keep people guessing you want right you want the viewer to go on a ride but it's a fun ride because they don't know where they're going right right right. and i felt like the movie you just knew where you were going and then so one night i was I, i got super high and i was at my editing desk and i was like i'm just gonna chop this bitch up like memento you know what I mean? Like where it's just story is here and there. And you have to put it together and piece it together. And I just started, well, boom, 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 and I just started shaking the whole movie up. And and it's super unique for it to be honest. Even yeah. till today, you know, I watch it back, and obviously it's like elementary filmmaking from my perspective of where I am, right? Yeah. But I still can respect the the creative. Uh, for so many different aspects, but it's especially from like a narrative storytelling, because there's enough clues when you watch it that you can start to piece together the story. Because you're constantly going backwards and forwards and forwards and backwards, and you're right. getting a clue here and a clue there. So you're you're having to work as an audience member uh, to understand what's taking place. But ultimately, there's a payoff, and you don't see it coming. Yeah, and it made this movie that was completely bland in a linear setting uh, very entertaining to watch and like engaging you know you're like oh shit and huh. that's a great point about listening to your instincts too because there's a there's a
1: difference between getting it done and doing it right right and when you're on set you have to do a bit of both you have to get it done as right as possible absolutely but then when you're editing you tend to have a little bit more flexibility to be able to say hmm what if I just copy and pasted the project and just change it all up and that little tickle that you got that was like try it like that, yeah. You know, I think it's important for us to listen to that. Do you ever feel that that voice is more of a whisper than a yell than a scream? Like when you have those great ideas in your mind, is it? I think
0: it's more of a whisper. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, again, I've just I've. Uh, you, you get better at tapping into your own thoughts, and and um, and you you know how to navigate your own mind more as you grow in anything. And, uh, but, but I think, I think it's, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's mostly whispers, but it's like consistent whispers where, and and if I hear it, it's not hard for me to hear it. You know, like if I hear it, I know, okay, there's my whisper, you know, like, and I know I'm going in the right direction and I'm very clear with, uh, with the choice in the moment um, because I've become, very familiar with my whisperer that yeah
1: that's great man it's great that you've become familiar with it and that you've learned to listen to it consistently yeah i,
0: I- don't i don't uh question uh my my thoughts or my direction in any which way um just because it's proven to me time after time you know i used to have this this thought like oh how do i know what's hot but then i realized i do know what's hot so i should just follow that voice and and have confidence in it and it'll work itself out
1: yeah and ultimately you can't please everybody there's people that hate stuff that the greats have made you know what i mean so if that's the case it's like well then maybe the purpose of art is for it to be your expression yeah absolutely right and that's how josh saw it that's how josh felt it now i can choose to like that or not
0: but at least it's accurately what you wanted to be with what you had exactly and it's important as a creative i believe or at least um, an artist to, you know, you're, you're feeding an audience, right? But the first core audience is yourself. So you have to love your work and it really has to be yours through and through. But to touch on that point that you said, as far as like, there's, there's people that aren't going to like it regardless, right? Um, there's also, there's also just endless haters out there in the world that, you know, we'll just, will hate on anything creatively. And uh, a friend of mine made me really realize and truly understand uh, that point by, by telling me, you know, the Lion King. And I was like, yeah, I know the Lion King. And he was like, uh, he was like, look up a Matata on YouTube. Right. And I looked up Akuna Matata on YouTube, which is like, be happy, no worries, like super positive message. And he's like, Look how many haters are in the comments, and look how many uh, uh, thumbs down uh, there there are. There was like I, I forget it was like one hundred and sixty thousand, yeah, like negative, you know. And I thought, who's hating on Akuna Matara, you know? And it just changed my perspective on on things in your audience, and and you know, you, you can't please everyone. You know, th- that just kind of triggered me to think about
1: like. I think at some point, because it moved around so much, and not that I'm special, but I think we all feel it, and, you know, I wanted the approval of my peers. And I think there were people that were my peers in school or whatever that maybe they were like negative Nancys. So that in my mind, whenever I'm making a project, I always imagine that they're judging it. you know. But whenever I can not tune into that and just tune into my own joy, that's when the best stuff happens. It's, it's really when I'm focused on me liking it. And I think the quality of my decisions are different based on what I'm focused on.
0: Absolutely. You, 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 uh, you got to make whatever art you're making for you first and foremost, because there is somebody out there or many millions and millions of people out there who think the same way as you and who enjoy the same style of art that you would create. And, and you know that art better than anyone because you're creating it for yourself and that demographic of people.
1: And maybe we would extrapolate from that, extrapolate, I actually use that word now, um, extrapolate from that, that we're technically not as unique as we think we are. We're unique in that, yes, there's one of me, but as in whatever weirdness I have that I think is special to me, somebody out there might also like it just like that, right? Yeah. Like I like my blend of like Tony Robbins and Kanye West and this comedian and that thing and that thing. And this is what I like. And it, it feels special to me. And if I just make stuff that flows in my vibration, somebody out there
0: there's a, also likes that of. There's a demographic of millions of people yeah. who like exactly what you like, the yeah. way you like it and enjoy. And, and I've, I, I guess I've also learned that there are, as as unique as we are, there are doppelgangers in this world of people who are very, very similar to you and I. Yeah. Right? It, even from like a... Their story, their life experiences. Life whatever. experiences, but also like how they carry themselves and, and the way they'll go yeah. about, you know, creating a little joke or something like that. And uh, every now and then I'll run into somebody and I'm like, this is like an alternate version of me. Yeah. You know? Uh. And, and it just reminds me that like... You know t- t- at, at times you can have this perception that you're so singular and completely unique and everything but when when you realize it there there is like alternate versions of you throughout this world in different cities in america um that you it's like know-
1: lateral thinking or something kind of like when, when we think we've invented something and then like a month later we see somebody come out with it, we're like, oh, I was just thinking of that invention. Just like yeah. that. Yeah. It's like it's
0: Exactly. We're more
1: connected than we think we are.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. No. And and even to touch on that point of like ideas and things, I actually am a firm believer that that there are like spiritual muses that float around this world that tap into people's psyches and give people ideas. Dude,
1: this was a subject we talked about on a couple of podcasts ago. We were just saying, like, okay, yes. Yes. So glad you brought this up. Because I feel that ideas, like, want to be born. Yeah. And they're like, hmm, I want you to tell this story. And it comes up as a desire. And if you don't take action on it enough, they're going it's like, somewhere fuck else. you. I'm, yeah.
0: Yeah, they'll just float There's to There's a window else. of opportunity. Exactly.
1: When we have that desire, it means mm-hmm. that, that we're called to do it.
0: Absolutely. and And that's part of your, like other whisper voice because people will just come into your psyche and be like, yo, you should do this. You should try this out, you know? And, uh, and that's why you have to constantly just listen to whatever's going on within your mind and your soul and your body and all that. What was a, a recent whisper that you heard? Uh, a recent whisper that I heard, uh, or not. I mean, no, I mean, I don't know if this was a, it could be personal or business or whatever. I don't, yeah, I don't think it was a, a whisper. I think it was just like an, uh, just a, a clarity mm. of my direction within my career on, on how to reach where I ultimately want to go. And, um, so I don't think it was like a whisper, but it was more so orientated on the, on the clarity of understanding that as an artist, which for many years due to my adversity, I was constantly, um, a, losing a form of integrity for something one way or another, you know, like, from, Oh, because of the budget. Or be, yeah. Of oh, okay, cool, cool. Cut that shit. Okay, cool. You know, like, and like I, I was constantly like chopping up my arm, my leg, my, you know, I was like, cool, let's make the movie, you know? <laughs> 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 and, uh, and I realized what makes you special as an artist and what will excel your career is if you find a way to hold the art with the utmost the utmost integrity first and foremost, and the the figuring out of of how to go about doing that, let that be the challenge but but hold that first mm. and um, and I think recently you know I have a, a film that we 're completing called Isaac, which i I really took that um, I took that understanding. Uh, and I, I stuck to it and I said, no matter what, I got to keep the integrity for what I'm creating and cool, I don't have the money for it, I'll find the money. I don't, I don't have this, I'll get it, you know, and I think doing that and and not, um, not uh, removing certain core elements of the integrity for the project really helped me expand as a filmmaker and as an artist and and sh- it, it's allowing me to show what I always knew was deep down inside from like a uh, a, uh an, an arts core art standpoint and I'm able to translate it now to the screen where I feel like that's awesome yeah dude. you can look back and be like oh wow the, f- finally you're flexing you know finally you're yeah.
1: Well, that's so interesting the way you, you shape that, even your arc, right? Because at the beginning, it's like sacrifice, whatever needs to be sacrificed for the sake of completion. Because yep. to go from being a person who hasn't made a movie to a person that has made a movie, right? And I think that's a very – in that stage of the career, I think that's very important. Yeah. Right? But now at this point, you've made movies. Yeah. Now it's about you want to make the best movie you can make. So now the thing that must happen – yeah. Is the integrity. Exactly. And then everything else has a flex. It's like, well, flex the budget, flex yeah. the schedule, flex whatever the fuck else. But this now is priority one in terms of where the boundary is. Because that you protecting those, those decisions are
0: part of the masterpiece.
1: Yeah. Right? Like when somebody says, it's going to be black and white and I'm sticking to it. You know what I mean? Whatever. Like you have to make a choice. At yeah. some point, you have to stick to a choice.
0: Absolutely. And uh, and I just realize that that's mm-hmm. what separates... Uh, great artists for mediocre artists is those who let themselves breathe artistically and allow their imaginations to just flourish. And, and some people are able to do that better than others, right? Uh, there's a lot of, like, mad geniuses out there, like, you just don't understand, you know? <laughs> like, but but there's, there's a way to craft it. There's a way to go about certain things and yeah. still keep, like, a diplomatic, positive setting of sorts. But, um, yeah, I've just... Uh, I just realized that that will be the secret to getting past because I, I feel like I've uh I feel like I've reached this barrier if that makes sense right uh from like a career standpoint where I'm 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 stuck at the top of this ceiling and of oh, this current level this level yeah of 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 lower end filmmaking uh, or 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 lower How would you describe that? Like like, like, like. low budget, very, you know, just low budget um, n- not super wide releases. And in Hollywood
1: low budget is under 5 million.
0: Yes, but I'm talking like, you know, I've uh, all my movies have been under a million, okay. right? Um, and I took a big swing on one uh, which we did for like like 300 or 400 prior to that. Mm-hmm. Um and and it got a pretty substantial release. You know, it went theatrically 570 theaters nationwide for a day, and and it streamed on Netflix, and that was cool. But like, I want to reach a, a point um, where I'm making a movie and it's screening in Tokyo. You know what I mean? Where it's like, yeah. like whoa, you know? And and you're not gonna get those opportunities independently unless you create something of value. That others will look at and say, "Ooh, this this is worth the the distribution firepower to to yeah. you know make it a super wide release." So, right, um, I just realized that like if I, you know, we're we're young now, right? And uh, youth is very powerful, but it's powerful because we have the energy to just like overcome and set our mind to something and go and and we're at a very unique age right because we're in our 30s but we look like we're in our 20s but we have the wisdom of life and 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 we also have like jaded circumstances and things that have like made us believe that ah don't go down that road don't go down that road but but because of the energy and the youthful perspective um if there's a time to do something i believe it truly is like do something of like great value where you're like, okay, cool. I'm going to break that ceiling is within this period of time because you have just the drive. You have the heart, you know, you don't have the same life circumstances that not to say that you can't at a later stage. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is like, it's optimal now. It's optimal now because we, although we have a great understanding of life and, and a, a, a of experience, we're still at an early stage, um, and I also think, from like a, uh, I also just think from like a career standpoint, it's it's better if you uh, start to show your uh, creative attributes at at a younger age because then there is the endless possibilities of the future that takes place. In other people's minds, as far as like studio executives and and and, and people who can help you in your creative endeavors, right? Yes. But if you're already at an older stage, people say, "Well, that's cool," but like you already are who you can become, right? Well oh,
1: you're saying that people's perception of you—they feel like you're you're on your way to being something. Yeah. Well, so
0: so somebody told me this, which was really interesting. This is when I was doing like commercial stuff, right? There was a guy who was like 70 years old, really talented guy. Um, he'd done commercials for like Super Bowl and discovered Rosie O'Donnell and like had $2 billion of production dollars flow through him, yeah. like really well-seasoned director, right? Yeah. But he had never done a movie. He just did commercials. And and he was aware that I was like on this independent movie drive. and and you know, I was about making independent films, and I was just doing this to try and make some money or whatever. Yeah. and he said he had this script, and he had a lot of loads of connections, right? and And he's like, Josh, he's like, oh, and he said he said, uh, he wanted to make this movie about his dog or something like that. And he had a, a a meeting with a studio executive and he was trying to find the money for it. And I said, well, dude, why don't you why don't you make it? And he's like, well, it's it's hard to to, to just take your approach and just like, make it he's like i've reached a certain point in life where you know i I can only make things in a certain capacity in a certain way and i can't just throw that all away and just do it right and it's, it's it's something you can do as a youth but he said he said you have a better opportunity or a better chance of going into that same studio even though i have the connection and everything and getting that studio to believe in the beauty of your project versus me getting them to believe in the beauty of my project. And I said, well, why is that? You have the of experience. You have the know-how. You're talented. This, that. He said, Josh, because when people look at me, they say, well, I know, who, I know who you are. You know, you've become who you are, right? And there's only a certain amount of longevity for his future. But he says, when they, they look at you, they, you could be the next Steven Spielberg. How, how do they know? You know, so like Potential is infinite. Potential is infinite. And that's why there's great value in youth. Because at, while you're young, Your potential is truly infinite. Like, we're sitting here right now. You could become the president of the United States in twenty years. You know, like you could, like, 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 we literally. I wasn't born here, but yeah, yeah, but 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 what I mean, yeah, what I mean is like, we could literally, you could become Elon Musk. You know, like you, like. We, we literally have our entire lives ahead of us. Infinite possibilities. Infinite possibilities. And obviously those those situations are few and far between, but you never know where life takes you. You never know. I mean, so
1: we've done enough stuff.
0: Yeah. Up until now, it's yeah.
1: like we've hit enough once-in-a-lifetime things where it's like...
0: Yeah, things are, everything's possible, right? So th- that's the beauty behind being a young artist and capitalize on it while you're young. And that was the realization that I took where I was like, yo, while you're young, you better flex that fucking muscle that's inside of you right now, mm. you know, just so that you know you, you never question, you never look back, you don't wanna you don't wanna regret, you know, you don't wanna say, oh well, I, f- I knew what I was doing, I, I I knew I could create that one movie, but I you know I just I, I stayed in a rhythm for too long, dude. I fucking love your energy. <laughs> thank you. We're right
1: there, but like, like yeah. I I feel you completely. Yes. You know, it, it's there's no time to waste, and I don't. Like, I could have just gotten a job at, like, HBO as an editor or something. Yeah. And been okay financially. Mm -hmm. But there's a cap there. And there's nothing wrong with that. No diss to people, you know, who, who do that. But just I chose to be, like, an independent creative entrepreneur and just go for it. Because it's like, why the fuck not? I could always get that job. Exactly. You know? It's like... I could fall back and do weddings when I'm 60 if I need to. You know what I mean? Yeah. But between now and then, I want to build companies. I want to build my brand. I want to build. I want to make features eventually. You know what I mean? It's like I want to create. It's like the time is now. Yeah, absolutely. It really is, you know? And I think it's really good to fail early. Absolutely. I think people are afraid to make mistakes that they don't even try. It's like, dude, you'd be better off making a bunch of mistakes now. You'd have experience more than somebody who theoretically knows how to do it right. Like yeah. in theory, they know how to make a movie. Yeah, but in practice, you've talked to location managers who didn't want to give you the location. And then you negotiated with them, you put them in a the movie. You have all these these things that you can't, there's no class about on that. Absolutely. On how to finagle a location.
0: <laughs> and, and you get better and better as you go and as you create. And as much as I thought in each, with, you know, maybe I've done like nine movies at this point, with each movie, I said, okay, well, I know what I need to do. And you learn on the job you're like oh shit well i didn't i didn't realize that you know i didn't realize this and and even creatively you you develop and grow like i remember looking at certain projects in in one light as a filmmaker and storyteller and years later watching it back and saying nah that wasn't it but it's funny how i thought it was it at the time Mm. you know so have your
1: movies been sequentially better
0: yes yes absolutely as in your first one was your worst one most, mm. as in like, i think the third one was the worst one the okay. one that i was hired to do that okay. i didn't have creative control um yeah i think that one was was pretty poor uh just from uh you know all all-around experience and and you know no disrespect to my partner and that i just you know he's a buddy of mine i love him we're like brothers you yeah know, so he, you know if, if he saw this he would <laughs> he would respect it and he probably knows that uh but i i i felt like um the first one was super ambitious, actually. And I, I think it was really good. It just, it was, we shot it on 7D, you know, like yeah. we didn't, like, we didn't, we had construction lights to light the fucking thing, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> hey, for, for what it looked like, it was great, yeah, you know, uh, but I, I and wasn't... Maybe you
1: appreciate something different about it. You appreciate the, the umph, the fact that you guys went for it. Yeah, so the, but the I... The meaning of the project.
0: I didn't have any, uh, or I didn't instill any of my own... Maybe there, there, my there was instilled uh, creative storytelling and like overall aesthetics on certain. Hold on, hold on one second.
1: Yeah. Um. The 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 red camera stopped recording.
0: Sorry, guys. We just had to do a cut real quick.
1: We had to change the card there. Um. So Josh was just talking about you were feeling that you were trying to get out of social media for a bit, and then somebody.
0: Yeah. So I I. Uh- you know, it, you go through life, and and certain things take place, or whatever, and you're just kind of you, you get you you love and you hate social media in a way, mm-hmm. but it's vital to our business, and ultimately, we you know we have to kind of stay in the mix with it. But if I had to choose, I. And, and I didn't have to find my audience right And I wasn't still climbing the, the ladder of my business. I would just not have social media at all, right and, right And unfortunately, I wouldn't wouldn't stay as connected with as many people as I would love to stay connected with. but you also you, you cut out the noise. you cut out the a lot of bullshit that you consume within life that you shouldn't be uh, you know influenced by. And so I took a break. Uh, but quietly, it wasn't like I made an announcement or anything. And this girl who had worked for me for a little while, once upon a time, who we were friends on social media, she she hit me up out the blue and text message. She said, why aren't you, you know, why aren't you on? Are you OK? Or, yeah. You know, yeah. And I said, I'm fine. I'm just just not not for me. You know, and I said, I'm not interested. And she said, well you should be interested uh, because I think you don't realize how many people might uh, find inspiration from what you're posting or your outlook on certain things or certain messages that you might write up or something like that. And and I said, well, I, what, what do you mean? She said, well, like, I am inspired by you through following you and it's allowed me to succeed in my life. And then she made me realize that there's there's... There's so many people out there that you may not be, like, communicating with, right? Or you may not be conversing with or, like, having any type of true online social connection. Right. But are seeing your stuff and are influenced by your positivity or your approach towards things or your tips and guidance and, you know... Uh, it's it's almost like a disservice to society if you're mm. if you're if you're giving out a positive message yeah. to not help to continue inspire people that are in the shadows that you'll never know that you're inspiring that you'll never know is consuming your stuff
1: and maybe it's good for us to understand where it's coming from. It's not like we have to pretend that everything's perfect and put on this facade. It's about saying, "Hey guys, here's what's happening in my life and how I'm dealing
0: with it." Yeah. And and I think, you know, like we we are one big community of people, right? And yeah. I think the more we can understand that, the more we can grow as a society. And and I think if uh, if if we're if and that's why the the, the 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 thought of social media sometimes makes me want to take a step back because it's it it is so much of like a highlight reel and like a a persona of sorts in in so many ways and you know there's there's a lot of beauty in somebody's truth and in what they're going through or their genuine thoughts and um and you know we gotta we gotta remember that that what we put online and the messages we send out effect affect people um mm. you know in in one way or another and um you know and some people need that some people you know they need the inspiration yeah and
1: sometimes the inspiration is somebody admitting that they're also going through anxiety attacks or whatever the fact, yeah right because i remember i i saw i forgot who it was some famous person that was just like yeah i deal with panic attacks before i go on set and i'm like oh you too not because yeah. like oh okay cool other people i think being vulnerable is inspiring Absolutely. Because it takes away the, the, the this false belief that everybody has it together but me. That's right. Right? <laughs> Which yeah. is the fear that we all have. It's like, why does everybody have their shit together? But everybody's smiling on the beach except for me. It's like, no, people, <laughs> you know, they got diarrhea too. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, Shit's yeah. going down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, what What are your goals now? What's happening now? We got the oh, last so, 25 minutes. So the, oh, I,
0: yes. uh, I got the biggest opportunity of my career this far. I'm going to do this big, I call it a giant action movie. It's five million dollar movie for Sony uh, out in Mississippi, which is my God. it's exactly exactly what I want to do. Where I'm just the director. I don't have to produce it. I don't have to grind through it. I get all the tools and and support of those around me to help uh, support my creative endeavor. And, uh, it's, it's extremely exciting. So I take off in August to go do that. It's amazing. Yeah. How, how did you land that? Oh, so it, this is a funny story, man. I, you know, I doubt that anyone involved will really hear this. And I've, I've reached the point where I've proven myself as the value perspective on it. But, uh, it's, it's a funny story. So I, I'm an active, uh, gambler, card player, right? So like, I, I, that's a hobby of mine. And that's I, I
1: met you in the poker world. Really? I'm pretty sure through, pa- through Patrick. I met you through Patrick, but yeah. not
0: playing poker. Yeah, I wasn't playing yeah, but but it. But technically was... through the poker world. Yes. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. And there was a guy when I first moved here. There, you know, there's all these little underground games and shit. And I met this guy like nine years ago. Okay, you know, like, and I've been doing this what, twelve years, right? So I'd done a movie or whatever, so I could, you know, talk to talk a little bit, but I didn't really know what I was doing that right. much. And uh, and this guy was like an actual producer, you know, like he had done I don't know 50 movies at the time. We were playing cards together, and we got, you know, we got a chance to know each other a little bit that night. And he took my information. He's like, yeah, I'm gonna hit you up, you know, and we'll do a movie together, right?" And uh, and throughout that nine year period. This guy would call me, and would be like, yo, I got this script, read it, blah, 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 this, and, and and I would constantly get excited about whatever project he was telling me about because I would think, oh, we're going to make, because in my world, when I was like, oh, let's go do something, I was always doing it, right? right. So You're used to making it happen. I was used to making it happen, uh, and, and that's not the world of Hollywood, obviously, right? And so through the years he had hit me so many times with so many different projects where I got so psyched up and so excited and I read the script back to front, front to back, did all these little things. I used to do when I used to read a script, I used to make notes on it as I would read it. Like creative Mm. notes, thoughts, everything like I would just pour right into it. Yeah. And uh and it's very hard for me to read. So I have to be like inspired or it has to be some sort of like big opportunity, in my opinion. To
1: physically read yeah. page by page, yeah.
0: And so, like, and, and again, you become jaded slowly as you grow and as your experiences go on. You're like, nah, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing, you know. And uh, so he hit me up. And again, nine years of this guy hitting me and say, I got this thing, I get that thing, blah, blah, blah. And you know, a lot of things were like, like it's, it's I, I, I've done action-orientated stuff, but I haven't done what my opinion would be... Uh, Enough to prove like I'm the guy to do the five million dollar action movie, you know. Right. Like I'm not like it's not really my genre. I'm more thriller, you know, psychological, you know, a little bit of action stuff or whatever. And he called me. He's like, "Oh, I got this movie, five million dollar budget, Sony Pictures. Da da da. You should read it. I want to pitch you as the director." I thought, okay, cool. And I literally remember while he was telling me the project, I'm like, bro, I'm never getting this project. Like, just, <laughs> like thanks for the call. And I and I was in the middle of something. I was like, he's like, yo, promise me you read the script. We'll get on a conference call like tomorrow or the next day. I'll call you. And I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah, I'll read it. I'll read it, bro. I'll read it. Right. And because we we were like friends basis, you know, me and this guy, we play cards every once in a while. Yep. And uh, and he calls me like I never read it at all. I didn't even I didn't even read the first page i literally he sent me the email i looked at the email i was like got the email bro i'll read it you know i was like yeah i'm not gonna waste the time and uh he called me like two days later i totally forgot that he had called me prior right and i was going mm-hmm. on with my day and my life and he's like yo you you read the script i was like yeah it's great you know and he's like oh cool awesome uh so i'm gonna patch you in on this conference call and i was like okay cool and uh, and we get on this conference call, and people start joining the call. Like, and I realize, yo, this is a big conference call. This is like right. seven people on the call, right? Yeah, and they're all talking this and they're talking that. And and there's there's a guy on the call who's really knowledgeable, because I've you know like you 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 reach a certain point where you understand. Uh, the bullshitters and you understand the guys who are talking and the guys who really know what's up and you like tell
1: the kind of questions they ask. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and, and I realized, yo, this guy's knowledgeable, but he's also he like a battery on that miter. Yeah. You still, still rolling. Just got out of extra battery there. Keep uh, and, growing, and yeah. he's, uh, he, he's making a lot of sense. And I realized like, Oh yo, this guy, this guy might be like a really important executive. Right. Yeah. And so I text the, the guy that, that, you know, that was the producer. I was like, yo, who is that speaking? And he gives yeah. me his name and I look him up. He's like, one of the vice presidents at Sony, you know? And I'm like, oh, geez, like, yo. Yeah. Like, I realize that this call is basically their final, final pitch call with their team and the actors Like like the like yo we have this guy we have this guy we have this guy and we have Josh Weber who's gonna direct it and like they're trying to get a minimum guarantee deal like like a like where they where Sony is basically gonna cash flow the movie in advance and acquire all rights in advance and produce it alongside this production company right Wow so I'm like oh and I also realized I'm like oh so the guy was trying to leverage me but like I'm just a piece of his puzzle right Yeah. And and I'm listening quietly, I'm listening to what they're talking about. I get a general understanding that there's a movie about a guy, two guys in a car, and there's action sequences, and it's kinda like a buddy, you know, cop thing. Okay. That's the kind of vibe that I got, right? Okay. From just listening to little things. So and you're
1: then, in this call and you don't know shit about the script. I don't know script, shit about you're the just script. Piecing it together. Piecing
0: it together really is a true form executive from a production standpoint and also from like a distribution standpoint wants to know my take on the movie and the script and everything, like, fuck. And I took a big deep breath. I went off mute and I was like, Hey, how you doing? I said, first and foremost, I want to tell you how excited I am for this opportunity. And he was like, Well thank which is you. A fact. Which which yeah, very much so. Like I figured, yo, I'm gonna find a way to bullshit through this phone call, but but I'm but gonna say all true things. Say say the shit that's true to you. You know what I mean? <laughs> and uh and so I said i said so you want to know my vision for this thing he's like yeah absolutely uh and i said all right so all right and i paused for a moment because i was like yo you're fucked here bud like how are you supposed to tell him your vision you know like (laughs) this is crazy and i said uh i said man you ever uh you ever seen training day and he said yeah seen training day and i said uh And what about Bad Boys? You ever see Bad Boys? Right? Because I'm like, I'm going through my mind. I'm like, yo, cop in the car, da, 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 right? And uh, and he's like, yeah. And I said, and what about Transformers? (laughs) (laughs) And he said, yeah. And I said, well, imagine all those three movies combined with a new stylistic flair and vibe. That's our fucking movie, right? And I went silent, like- like it was and and i said all these things within like it, it was it was yeah. a, a lesser period of time than this in, this this way that i'm describing it like it was a 10 second pitch it was like yeah. you know yeah. and then it went silent and and every it was just like silence on the call for maybe like 3 whole seconds and i thought you're fucked you you just blew your opportunity you dummy and the guy goes huh i like it and I was like, whoa, because I was I was expecting follow up questions, you yeah, know, certain yeah. things. And he says, but Josh, you do realize that uh, Transformers is 200 million dollar budget, right? And I said, oh, yeah. And he said, you do realize that uh, training day was a 50 million dollar budget. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And he's like, so you are comfortable knowing that this is a five million dollar budget. And I said, "Oh, absolutely!" And I'm gonna make it look like it's a fucking five hundred million dollar budget, you know, like mm-hmm. just because truly, I I, I believe now probably not five hundred million dollar budget, but it's but gonna
1: look, it's not gonna feel low end because it's you're not used gonna to feel low you end. having damn near no budget. Yeah, so that you got real budget. Exactly.
0: Like, I'm I'm a guy who's fucking been making movies with no money for ten years. Give me a little bit of money. Give me mm. a little bit of support and watch what I do with it. You know, yes. So uh, that's why I'm, I'm really excited for this opportunity because as much as I was able to kind of like flex my creative uh, abilities within my most recent project, Isaac, I feel like even more so, especially in a new genre of filmmaking, like true form action, I'm going to blow it out the park. Dude, yeah, I'm so inspired by your story. Yeah. I'm so juiced by it. It, it. It's it's
1: got every bit of the the hero qualities that I really aspire to, and I enjoy. Like, just put yourself in the position, you know, like you know, in the in the, when they have those end of the world movies. Yeah. Like the movie 2012, have you seen that movie? Yep. When they're trying to escape with the plane and the guy's like, "But but I don't have a, a real pilot's license." The guy's like, "Go. You yeah. got the plane. Go. Ah, just fucking just, just just pull back and just just fly it. Just yep. get get this thing off the ground, you know? And um and you got you did that. You got your idea off the ground by any means necessary to this point. And then you positioned yourself for this without even having to read the script.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Which was crazy to me. And then I read the script and I was like, yo, this is going to be fucking awesome. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Um, And then meanwhile, you know, I got uh, I got a a television series that I'm putting together and uh, another lower budget movie in Atlanta towards November. Dude. I'm so juiced. I can't wait to see it. Yeah, no, me too. Listen, I'm I'm, I'm excited to create it. It's funny. Um, you know, I was down there earlier this year doing prep because, you know, today yeah. there's all this money and we get to fly, you know, 25 people down there and put everyone down, and scout. walk around and have <laughs> coffee and talk about creative shit, which is like, yo, the dream, right? <laughs> and there was like a really notable um, uh, production designer that's working on the project, right? Yeah. And we we really hit it off, you know, just from like a just a guy perspective, you know, talking about certain things and just bonded. And, you know, he's got a family and all this stuff. And I got a family, basically, and uh, and like responsibilities. But I don't really have responsibilities like my my life can sustain, you know, without me for a little while. Right. I can go do whatever I need to do. And uh, and so he said it, it was like right it was we were going to be coming up to Christmas time right and the movie was supposed to take place earlier this year mm-hmm. you know early January but I had committed to the mentality of like Yo, I'm only doing this you know yeah. like I'm gonna live here I'm gonna mm-hmm. breathe I'm nothing else is gonna happen in my life and I'm just gonna just stay in this pocket of the world and focus on this movie right and yeah like, just go to the locations every day and sniff the ground and just kind of <laughs> really deep dive and he said so you're you're not gonna go home for christmas i said no 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 not at all you know and he's like you're not gonna go home for new year's and i was like no and he's like well you're savage you know and i was like no i said i said well you gotta realize like i'm i'm living my ultimate dream right now just the opportunity to do this just this pre-production shit with a whole team of of really knowledgeable experienced people in their different departments, I said, you know, yeah, I'm being paid to do this, but I would pay for this opportunity, you know, like this is, this is everything and more. And, you know, holidays, Chris, all that shit. Who gives, who gives a shit? You know, I'm I'm here. A
1: vacation from your dream. If you're doing the dream. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause he was like, (laughs) why would you want to stay? Why would you want to stay in this shitty little town? I'm like, dude, I don't, this is not, this is my dream world right now. You know what I mean? Like this is this shitty little town is my set you know and i just want to i just i i want to give it my all so that i look back and know that i i did not hold back in any which way and um and and i i really feel like this opportunity is a culmination of all the opportunities that were presented to me in life that to prepare me for this type of situation where like Yeah, I do know better in certain circumstances and like as as much as I'm a newer studio style filmmaker I have a lot of know-how and knowledge and budget saving techniques to really stretch this dollar and 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 create the production uh that super exceeds this level of filmmaking dude I believe in you thank
1: you I can feel it in your whole vibration I think this you. is the one for you. I
0: think so. I so so I for years I, I said, Man, I'm gonna do fucking Transformers fifteen and Spider Man nineteen and all that shit. Mm. And I really feel like this movie is gonna be very pivotal to that part of my future dream because this is the, the first step in doing a studio project. And an action movie, which I've never done an action movie before. Mm. You know, where it's like, Wow, okay, let's blow some shit up. Let's fucking let's take the viewer on a ride. Yeah. Um, yeah
1: dude um last but not least i feel like i could talk to you all day um but we're running out of card space pretty soon what's a
0: message that you would give to your 17 year old self um the message that i would give to my 17 year old self like to you you to me to me um
1: talking to yourself from the future which is now right you're about to do the studio
0: feature Don't, uh, number one, listen to all the flags. You know, if you, if you, if you see the flags and you, and you, your instincts tells you don't go down that path or be involved with that person, don't do it. Um, even though there's a creative, you know, curious factor, but what I would say most of all, what I would tell myself is, um, is, is life is one big card game, right? Mm-hmm. And, and you have all these people in your life that are cards within the deck that you can pull out at certain times. Mm. And as you move through life, do not be careless with throwing away certain cards that are of value to you um through this game of life and and um and just uh you know just just be mindful because you know there's a there's a guy who get a really old 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 guy like a 95 year old guy gave me a great piece of advice he said uh, never get rid of two things people or real estate and Mm. i took a lot of perspective from that because they're they're there are certain relationships and certain things that, like, I may have closed through the years and, and not closed in in the correct way. If that makes sense, like for sure, f- proper closure and p- proper and just kind of like just just close the door. And and I I I believe that um, you now it's healthy to do that, obviously, but but there's a way to do that where. Those doors are not closed so abruptly, and and there's still the opportunity for that door to flow open and close
1: if it can be healed. Later if it on. can be healed, because because yeah. people
0: do change, uh, people grow, and um, and you never know when you might uh, need that perspective or or um, I I just I just. I I feel like there were many times where I was climbing this ladder of life and I I purposely stepped down a few steps to go onto another ladder when I could have just stayed on certain ladders uh and and you you and continued to utilize uh certain relationships to help me better understand myself versus making some moral disposition of like burning oh. bridges or whatever. Well yeah or or like so so I used to um I used to have this thought that if that if a person if myself and a person are not of the same thought process or moral code or something like that that I would instantly cut them from my life where mm-hmm. I was like yo you fuck you do things like that nah right and I just realized that you you can't do you can it's it i don't think it serves you to do that right because people do things in certain ways because of their own set of experiences their upbringing whatever their upbringing and their and, and who are you to judge how they handle certain situations you're only to judge how they handle you and there were many times where i'd cut off certain relationships where me and the person never had any issues and I was just strictly from like a, a moral high ground saying oh well that's that's you know like I, I was just I was taking a, a like a knife approach to certain relationships when 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 who who are we to judge somebody else's path or struggles or choices and uh, and and you know, we meet people through this journey of life that will, one way or another, either teach you something bad or teach you something good, but it's all valuable and important to your overall growth. Facts,
1: bro. Facts. Bro, I feel like we honestly could keep this going for like... Oh, absolutely. So many hours. I feel like we're going to have to do a part two once you finish that film. Come yeah. back. We'll talk about the experience. Yeah. No, of, of course. Absolutely. Man. Um... I appreciate you. I appreciate seeing you. It's it's been forever, you know. Um, we've had a few talks, never got to get this in depth before, and really understand you and your story to this level. Like this is. This I is agree. Really cool.
0: I'm I'm glad we did this, and yeah. uh, and I gotta say that I feel like, as much as you may may or may not realize it, you are truly inspiring millions of people throughout the world in this process of what you're creating because video lives forever right and and in inspirational um either quotes or snippets travel beyond what we can even truly understand and they resonate with people so i think i think uh this this creative journey of podcasting that you're on is is in a lot of ways uh obviously super entertaining but like super noble as well my guy yeah
1: it's all love bro yeah dude i can't wait to see your project yeah and thank I, you and i'm yeah. so juiced for you your energy is like glowing it's radiating thank you it's been very inspiring having you here good i definitely already learned some things here <laughs> with <laughs> this i was like man fuck he was right about that shit. <laughs> well guys josh weber um, thanks for watching subscribe like comment check him out i'm um, working see your films
0: uh uh weberfilms.com weber with two b's um, and you can find me on instagram josh a weber cool
1: man well thank you guys for watching and
0: dude cool that's a wrap my guy yeah good thank you hell yeah of course yeah.